Are you afraid of commitment because you're afraid it won't allow you to change? Listen as the gals talk about partnership and how that allows for more freedom. Welcome to Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Two gals on the prowl for enlightenment, sex, and all things holy. Holy Fuck. Each week, beauty alchemist and transformational coach and speaker, Catherine McClelland, and spiritual healer and life coach, Krista Kim, discuss navigating spiritual consciousness in a real human body. Stumbling through dating, relationships, and everyday life, all while maintaining a fucking sense of humor. Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Krista. Another beautiful in day world? in the neighborhood. What's going on in my world? Well, we got this fascinating email this week that, mm. um, which we just first want to shout out anybody who emails us because we love to hear it. We love to know what's on your mind and then we can podcast about it without outing you who you are. <laughs> right? We'll try not to out you. Well, we'll try not to, but no, we won't. I mean, we won't. Yeah. We promise. And I mean, you and I are both coaches, and so when people share their stories with us, it gives us kind of another window into somebody else's life, and it also gives us the opportunity to share our skills and ways in which we can assist our listeners through whatever it is that they're going through. Yeah, so if you reach out at info at Holy Fuck Podcast, you will certainly get a hold of us and we will certainly hear what your questions or what your story is or what you want to know. And so today we're going to be talking about a man who wrote in with a conversation starter for us today. And again, just truly appreciating that and knowing that it'll be of service to lots and lots of people. So the conversation starts around the question of fear of commitment comes up a lot. And why is it that people are afraid of commitment? Hmm. And we came to a, a gem of a conclusion. A startling conclusion. <laughs> a startling conclusion, yeah. For me, it was like the fear around commitment is what happens if I change or what happens if my circumstances change? And then I'm going to have to go back on what I've committed to or, you know, ask somebody else to change with me. Or are you even allowed to go back on a commitment? Like, isn't a commitment forever till death do you part if we're talking about marriage right. um, and other commitments? You know, what is that? What have you committed to? And I think it's a big, big question, right? Like, I don't know what I've committed to. Have I committed to till death do us part? Have I committed to, uh, oh my God, what happens if you become incapacitated and... How do I work with this? So the normal way of handling this in relationship is we only give ourselves two choices, right? Right. Got to stay or I got to go. Or endure. <laughs> so I stay yeah. and endure. So let's say in this situation that this incredibly courageous man shared with us, um, someone in his life, their, their body physically changed. They have an illness. And so there's no longer any real back and forth between the two adults. And there's certainly no sexual activity. And the man in the family is now taking care of absolutely everything. And his partner or his relationship person is not. And through no fault 
of her own, we'll say, you know, she just became ill. So the challenge for us as spiritual psychologists is, okay, what are the lessons here that this soul, this man's beautiful soul, is trying to learn? So he's right now of the opinion that there's only two choices, and he's not willing to make the leave choice so he's making the stay choice, and the stay choice means he has to just suck it up and do whatever is the quote-unquote responsible thing to do, right? So we feel really needs. badly about that. <laughs> Say that again? I said we feel really badly about that. We yeah, don't want that well, to happen. I, you know, this isn't the first story that we've heard this way or the first person that we know that goes through this. You know, I had a similar situation where a friend of mine um, was starting to get into relationship with a married man, and the married man had endured an ill wife for 14 years with no sex, and so and no dialogue around his needs. And I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I know that he was under extreme guilt and and even shame for having sexual needs when his wife was really couldn't do that. Yeah. And he was tormented inside and he had been enduring for a long, long time for the family and the kids and to the commitment to the marriage because he really loved his wife, loves his wife. Right. And he and so he should not give up the side of himself that isn't being fulfilled. It also came with a lot of guilt that She's having to go through this horrible experience. So almost like, well, now he's going to go through something horrible as well, or putting himself through something that's a struggle. Right. Almost he like should it, struggle. Like it evens it out. Yeah. yeah. He should he struggle. Should struggle or she's struggling. You know, mm-hmm. it's so interesting because when we take it down to yes or no, good or bad, stay or go, it's very, very hard in a situation like that for anyone, man or woman, to justify leaving. Because the other person is clearly societal, societally um, got the got the goods, so to speak, that you sh- really shouldn't. You really can't. If you're a good person, you really won't. Mm-hmm. And where partnership comes in is that it invites you to look at this situation differently, and it creates all sorts of creativity and gray area. What else could happen? So. If they're afraid of abandoning the other person, they don't have to. If they're afraid of hurting their feelings, this doesn't have to hurt their feelings because it's simply about getting a need met. If there is a partnership in place that the two people love each other and care. And the way, one of the ways to define partnership, honestly, is that you care about the other person's happiness as much as you care about your happiness. Right. So for a couple who's been in, say, relationship for however many years, whether that's marriage or not marriage, it's I can imagine that it would be really hard under these type of strenuous circumstances to move a relationship from, in, well, to move a relationship into partnership at the same time. Right. And when one person is ill, it does take a lot of brain power and a lot of emotional power mm-hmm. to shift from a partnership to a relationship because in a partnership you're required to be involved. You can't just sit on the sidelines even if you're ill. And that isn't necessarily something that someone's going to be able to do. But 
the cute part here, <laughs> but the interesting thing is that you actually have a partnership with yourself that you're responsible to maintain long before you have a partnership with each other. Well, and I think that that's where people kind of get caught up because when you're, say, say you're the caretaker of someone who's ill, if you love that person, you go into it with like, what can I do to serve them and help them through this? And you do have to, I shouldn't say you do have to, but there is some level of giving up personal needs in order to take care of this person. It just, your there life can just be. changed. There can yeah. be. You know, here's an interesting thought. There doesn't have to be. You know, if you have enough resources, I mean, sure, your life's going to change, but you don't have to be the caretaker. Or if you have enough, if you have enough family, you don't have to be the caretaker. There's lots of families where the whole family would be involved in doing this. But when it's one person, it's an impossible job. So we watch the, the health and the vitality of both people go down completely. And well, that, you yeah, feel that's what's like. Happening. Right. And you feel like a horrible person because all you want is to get out of this situation. And everything societally is telling you, if you do that, you are a really bad person. And I dated a man for a while who had left uh, his wife and he just basically couldn't take it anymore. And because, because why? She was ill? She had MS. And um, she was very ill. And what came up was that some of her choices for treatment were not things that he would have chosen. And yet he was mm. still stuck with the result of those choices right. because he was married to her. And after it was, I believe it was eight years, um, and she began to really improve finally. He finally, that's when he took off. And mm. that was, that was really hard for her because she felt like, wait, I'm just getting my life back. <laughs> and he was like, I can't do one more day of caretaking. And he was doing it's exhausting. And, yeah. But this is what I was going to talk about. So a lot of times people sacrifice in the beginning thinking that they're doing their partner a service. They're being the better person for taking care of their ill partner. But after you sacrifice for all those years, at some point you have to start taking care of yourself or you have nothing left to give your partner. So like with the circumstance you're talking about, it's like he had put so much into caretaking and providing for her needs that by the time she was well and coming back, he was depleted and had no more, he couldn't hold any more space. Right. And here's the thing that's the saddest thing is that what really happened was his ability to experience loving for her died. Because he couldn't experience it for himself. He was so exhausted and so overwhelmed and so um, depleted by the experience, just even emotionally. Like after a while, even as she started to get better, there were just years of experience, right? So one of the things that happens is that there can almost be like an effect later, even if the person gets better after that many years you just like it's deteriorated your connection. Mm -hmm. And of course, and I'm not saying in this case, this was the, I don't think this was the case in this case, but probably for a while it was, there was no sexual connection. We know with other people, there have been no sexual connection. This is really, really hard on a partnership. So what if, 
what we're suggesting is you get into partnership, which means I care as much about you as I care about me. I'm clear what I need. I'm clear what you need. And here's the big one that Allison handed us in a bouquet the day she talked with us, Allison Armstrong, was we decide together what the solution is because we both care about ourselves and we care about each other equally. So I'm right. not gonna I'm not gonna ask you to sacrifice for me. That would suck. Mm-hmm. And you're not gonna sacrifice for me because then you won't be here. You, the person I love, will no longer be here. So, Krista, what so are some like, of the other solutions? Well, what I was thinking about is that so for this um, beautiful man who wrote in, it was like he was showing up for her. She was showing up f- for her. So as a relationship, she was the only one being shown up for. Right, and then more complicated children are getting shown up for and all that, right? So there's one person who's just completely falling through the cracks in terms of getting his needs met. But for the person who's ill, they might think, well, okay, I'm ill, so everybody should show up for me. Right. But for that person, what they don't see is that in the end, that's going to do themselves a disservice by requiring that of their partner. It's true. It's true. And that's a really powerful thing. And that's why when I was first, when we were talking about partnership, that the idea that I care as much about you as I do about me. So even if I'm sick, I'm not going to ask you to sacrifice for me. I'm going to ask you to take care of yourself and let's find another way for me to be cared for. Now, realistically, life changes, things are going to happen and we're going to take care of each other. Certainly, you know, Mr. Delicious brings me soup when I'm sick and, (laughs) you know, I rub his back when he's not feeling well or whatever. But, but after a certain period of time has elapsed, there starts to be a deterioration of your connection and your love for each other because it's not full. A short-term illness too is one thing. Your partner can show up for a week, two weeks, a month and provide at a certain level. But when this is an ongoing year after year illness, that's when the deterioration starts to happen. And so for the person who's the provider, if they don't show up for themselves and start putting themselves first, they will have nothing left to offer their partner. So, you know, this is goes back to the conversation of sacrifice. When we're sacrificing for the other person, we're, we're really doing it because we love the other person. But when we stop sacrificing ourselves, we can actually love our partner more. Exactly. Because then we there's longevity there. We can hold the container longer. We can stay in our loving. We don't get bitter and resentful and all the other things that come from self-sacrifice. Right. And what comes with self-sacrifice... <laughs> what comes from self-sacrifice is depletion and resentment. And it's not like you cannot have those things. And and there are people for whom caretaking is an avocation or a ministry or something, mm-hmm. but it's very rarely the person that you need, that you have in the past gotten some of your needs met from. And if that's the case, so imagine we have this same scenario with a gentleman who is living and going along fine and all of a sudden illness and eight years later, 10 years later, it's still happening, 15 years later now. What if this gentleman says, I can't do this anymore, so something has to change? 
And I know that you're not going to be happy about this because it's going to feel hard. But you cannot give me what I need, and therefore I cannot give you what I have to give you. I am simply not the same person. Who has, have you ever been cared for by someone who's annoyed, like a nurse or a doctor or Mm -hmm. a friend or a partner who's kind of over you being sick and they're just kind (laughs) of like slamming you with the soup? I have. Yeah. It's really a drag and it makes you feel horrible. So imagine now you're lying in bed, you've been sick for 10 years, and now your partner's resentment's getting really big. You just feel like a horrible person too. So what if what if you really see the value of this? You really see, oh, what if I just spring him? What if I say, go, find someone to have a sexual relationship with, even if my ego is worried that you're going to fall in love and abandon me? Right. But the beauty of partnership is you don't have to let go of the loving. So even if he meets someone else and even gets a divorce and marries her, he never has to let go of caring for his wife or ex-wife, right? Mm -hmm. Because he stayed in the loving, because the partnership was about caring for both of them, he can literally go have a whole new life while she's still taken care of and perhaps better, right? Better. Absolutely. Well, and I know that one of the lines that you and I were both most touched by was the the realization that he had that he wasn't in partnership mm-hmm. and that I think it was becoming a desire to be in partnership, especially yeah. because I think, you know, maybe he'd had opportunity to start new relationships or partnerships with people and he's been not doing that. So there is this desire within him to do that. But the where he was getting kind of stuck is that, wow, being in partnership takes a big level of openness and vulnerability and that was very scary and terrifying for him. And so I truly hope that this man gets to listen to this podcast and that we can be of service to him. And so Catherine, if he were sitting in front of you and expressing this, does, you know, this fear of being vulnerable and open with his wife, how would you coach him through that? Well, it's hard to say. (laughs) He's not sitting in front of me. No, Um, but but I think, I I know what you mean. So I think we're projecting right now what (laughs) his typical you know experience would be. Yeah, and he gave us enough information that we know some some things about his experience. I think one of the things that's very valuable sometimes in coaching is education, is Mm -hmm. reminding people that this doesn't actually equal health. This doesn't equal healthy living. Maybe she's staying sick, not on purpose, but because it's a way that he's actually keeping the system in place. It sounds weird, but, um, and I don't mean either person is culpable in terms of manipulating. I don't mean someone's pretending to be sick. I'm saying the system supports the illness because it's getting supported by so much attention. Yeah, it's getting a need met. It's getting a need met, but it's depleting someone else. So we know whenever a situation becomes unsustainable, when one thing is too much, like we're taking too much out of a system and one person's getting too much, there's something really going to happen that's going to knock this off, right? So Mm -hmm. just reminding people that they're not doing a service, performing their caretaking 
without taking care of themselves, without being full themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so just being with that and allowing him to feel the fear, and then what's the most loving thing? Well, how funny a thing to start wondering is, would it be the most loving thing to say, I need to take care of myself and recreate at least a sexual relationship, and I won't abandon you? You're the mother of my children. You're a woman I love. I, I'm not going to abandon you, but I have some needs. You know, but what the a- container might have to change for the way he's not abandoning her. So, for instance, if they are married and they've made a commitment to death to us part, and that means living in a house together with children, and that was kind of the original um, agreement, abandonment could look like, oh, divorce or one of those solutions. What about if the change that they're going to make doesn't have to look like abandonment? Precisely. Precisely what I'm saying. What if you actually, because what's interesting is that resentment is abandonment, right? When you Mm -hmm. can't stand taking care of someone anymore. Many of us may have had this experience where you just feel like it's just going on too long. If you can't feel yourself and feel your loving then you're not being of service to the other person because you're bringing them, you know, half of you. So you've already pulled your energy back from them, your yeah. loving energy back from and them. Even so you have you, abandoned them. And even if you can be loving sometimes, there's you're abandoning yourself. So the system has abandonment <laughs> in it, right? Yeah. So what if we all take this super seriously and we say our partnerships are about each person thriving, not about keeping the 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 two people together, right? Mm-hmm. So when both people are thriving, then our compassion comes in, our kindness comes in, and we our creativity, right, shows up and we're like, mm-hmm. oh, I know. I could just let's see. I think I don't want to get attached to someone. So I'm gonna fly to some resort once a month. I'm going to have a weekend fling with someone that I'll never see again, and then I'm going to come back. (laughs) And that way, because it's going to be an agreement, right? In partnership, you go back and forth until the agreement works for both of you. So she may say, if we're saying she's the ill one, right? She may say, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't can't see you dating around here, like all my friends, and it freaks me out. And so he says, okay. Well, really, all I need is a sexual relationship. So I don't have to date your friends, you know, or even, you know, like where we live in your small town. (laughs) I could be more compassionate if I felt like it. And and that's where the loving comes in. Oh, yeah. Well, I do know, you know, like if you're on the East Coast, you could go to the Poconos and have a weekend there. Like there are (laughs) ways to do this. It just flashed in my mind that, from like 1950s that just brought up like or something. Dancing, yeah, like something. In the Poconos. <laughs> we know what happens in the Poconos. We we'll know what now. happens in the Poconos. Um, that Pokin. Pokin in the <laughs> we, we digress. Anyway, the, so the exciting thing is that creativity is amazing. You know, I want to say that there are people who actually add a third member to their household. Third member. That's not really what I meant. But a third person, adult, human, because there's a way now to support what the household needs. And, and this, but you have to have an openness to new ideas too. Yeah. So I think, you know, expressing like, wow, I'm really scared to be 
open. Now that means I could be scared to be open with my feelings towards someone, but it can also mean like I'm scared to open my mind to a new idea because it's in a way I'm seeing this situation is is no different than having the discussion of an open relationship. It's, well, it is that discussion. Yes, it is kind of that yeah. discussion, but not. Yeah, I guess it is, and it's can he step into the place of really expressing his love for her and his desire for them both to have the best, most full lives possible and what he can continue to provide for her and then inviting her into a conversation about what does she think she can provide for him. Yes. And is she willing to be open to novel solutions? And what's interesting about novel solutions is they don't show up until you feel safe. Right. So when we feel afraid, when we're opening the conversation, we will have in our minds very often only two choices, stay or go, and neither work, so we never say anything. But what if you say, something's wrong, I need something different, and this is what it is, can we be creative? So your partner might freak out for a bit, right? <laughs> There's a high chance, even with the partnership, that a partner might sort of not be so excited about this idea. But if it's been established that you're a partnership and you're for each other as much as you're for yourself, which is crucial distinction, mm-hmm. it's not you for me, it's me for you in that way, right? So when you've done that, then you have freedom. And when your brain, when our brains are full of love, they expand. All sorts of new is, ideas come to forefront. And and we don't have to have the idea right away. It's like, no. you know, with Mr. Right here right now, it's kind of the same topic that we're having. It's that we it, it's not a, a stay or go. Like, neither one of those options are working for us. We don't know what the final solution is going to be. But what seems to be happening is we're both stepping into providing for the other person as much as we can for that, like what they need. I really, yeah, what they need. Like I really care about what he needs and what's going to make him happy, even though it bumps up against my edge and makes me question certain things. I have to continue doing my healing work inside about what's being asked of me. And I also have to continue keeping my heart really big and say, how can I love this person the most? Because when we talk about the, the black or white issue of which way to go, it, there is no solution yet. So why, if when we, when, and whenever we try to force one, it just literally doesn't feel right in, in, inside either one of us. So it's, can we just relax and let it unfold, knowing that the kind of perfect solution for us will come when it comes? Right. And until then, just be in the moment of enjoying it. So I'm wondering if that could be a beginning stage to offer this gentleman of like, he might have tried to open this conversation up before with her, and who knows how willing at that time she was to receive it, but it's t- it's maybe time to try again, try again in a different way with a different consciousness, because he, he is getting some more tools and some more understanding. So maybe now he can start showing up in the partnership role, even before she's ready to come into the partnership role. Maybe he can be the one who starts demonstrating what that looks like. And that means, you know, really sharing, showing up and saying, I care for you. I'm not abandoning you. I love you. You're important to me. Our family's important. And 
I need something else. I need something. And, and I would like us to come up with a solution that we feel like we can be right. happy with. Right. And again, it, it goes to this is an ongoing and with breath and heart and soul and mind, because this is not mm-hmm. easy stuff. But you invite your partner to love you. And you say, I need something and I need you to make it okay that I get it so that I can stay in love with you and not have to abandon you to get it. You know, I mean, what a great setup. So if I wanted my partner to keep taking care of me, I would be highly motivated to find a way to make sure my partner was getting his needs met, right? So I think that it's just that this conversation doesn't enter our regular relationship conversations, because regular relationship comes from our sort of instinctual need to be around people so that we can feel ourselves and feel whole and not be afraid. But when we can surpass the instinct and actually be present with the other person, this is why it's so scary, Mm. because we have to do something new. We have to really be vulnerable and intimate, and we have to ask for what's truly what we need. And it doesn't fit into anybody's mold of any religious right, wrong idea. And that's why we don't, we're not proponents of that. We're proponents of spirituality that allows each human to be whole and holy and sacred. And in that, be able to care for themselves wholly so that they can be loving with everyone in their world from their fullness. You start with your fullness and then you give to other people. And that's what this model does. A sentence you just said hit me. You said something about um, surpass your instinct. And it's just, it feels like for me right now that that's what I'm having to do. So, like, my partner's desires trigger my fight or flight kind of response. Yes. And I'm having to learn how to override that response and sit in my loving in order to really hear him. Because like what usually it's happened in the past in past relationships and even in the beginning with him, it was like he would express what his need or desire was and I'm already out the door because I feel the need to run, but I haven't really truly heard him I don't know if that makes sense. And so then I'm, I'm, I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to grow past it. And so I'm, I can only imagine that what this woman's going through, it's like when she, when she hears what's going to be asked of her, most people's response is to get out, to run, to get angry, to, to bail. And it takes a really big, like a deep breath to just like, okay, can I hear this person and temper down my <laughs> freak need, out my instinctual need to just run can i just pull that down for a second so i can really hear hear them and what happens for me is when i really hear him i kind of find resonance with what he's saying and so it the but it i have to bring down the instinctual response to a low enough level that i can actually hear what he's saying and then usually once i truly hear him it's not as bad as i thought well, because your adrenaline is starting to subside because you're actually right. listening, right? Exactly. And, you know, when we're triggered by this idea, so adrenaline is all about survival, right? So your first thought is, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Like, mm-hmm. you can imagine if I were lying in a bed ill for 10 or plus years, if somebody said to me, I have a need I need to get met, I'm thinking they're out. 
and I'm going to freak because what's going to happen to me? But if they start with, I love you, I care about you, and you're important to me, and they continue to care and to show their caring, and then they say, and there's something super important I need to, you know, it's like it's all in the delivery, right? And I want to invite you into partnership with me. I want you to understand that I have needs I cannot get met anymore. Everybody who is a grown-up in this world knows that this is not going to go well if one of the partners just suddenly decides or has a physical experience of no more sex. It's just not going to go well, right? But this is interesting. So my partner knows that when he says certain things that I'm going to have a certain reaction. Mm -hmm. And he holds through that until I settle to then have the conversation. So this man who potentially might have a conversation that we're talking about, he knows that the wife's reaction is going to be one of upset or pullback or, you know, I don't know what her exact reaction is going to be, but he probably has an idea in his mind. Or he's mind afraid that it be. is. Yeah. And well, and that's why he is afraid because he knows, he thinks he knows how she's going to respond. So can he have the conversation and then when she responds in that way, maintain and hold? We've talked about this before when the man can maintain and just continue to sit there through the anger, through the tears, through the hurt, whatever it is that she's going to experience and still. still still be there. That's like step one in showing and, you know, proving that I'm not going to run. I'm not going to abandon you, which is probably her biggest fear, ultimately. Of course. And this is a really, really important point because it is impossible to hold through someone else's upset if you're upset. Mm -hmm. So preparing yourself for conversations like this, doing a consistent meditation practice so your nervous system is calmed down, doing some breath work, doing getting out for walks regularly, taking care of yourself, all those things get your nervous system calm enough. And the interesting thing is what we believe we see, we often see. Right. So if we really want a different outcome, often... It's a really good place to start visualizing a different outcome. And when we do, we prepare ourselves. We say it could go this way, but what I'd really like is for her to be able to hear me. And then you start to get super sensitive to what would work better. How could I approach this better? Would it be helpful if we had a therapist? Would it be helpful that she had someone else to talk to about this that could help her see the validity of this? Would it be that I wouldn't try to do this alone? Oh, that would be so much more loving. And especially if it's someone professional, you're not going to invite your friend to come in and try and explain it to her, right? (laughs) But I think also to say that women have to hold this also. You know, we've been using the one example of someone who wrote to us because we think it's so beautiful and it's so sacred and precious that we wanted to share it with you. But we have more examples in our lives of something that happens to, say, the man or, you know, if he has ED and it doesn't clear up or he is engaging in some kind of activity that or his blood pressure and, you know, whatever, and their life just starts to change, Does do they have to divorce And it's just such a sad thing to me that families get split up and lives get trashed and 
finances go out the window because we all know that's what happens. Well, this is kind of the open relationship. The people who are big proponents of it, that's why it, why they are proponents of it because they don't want to have to throw it all away just because somebody has another desire. And right. And this is. can be slightly different because there there is a place for people to have preferences around their sexuality and how it's expressed. Mm-hmm. And so in a partnership model, you wouldn't come in and say to your partner, by the way, I've decided I need to have multiple partners, and that's the bottom line. Right. You would say, I'm needing more excitement in my sexual life. And then your partner says, okay, how do, how do, what's clear for me about that is that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well... One way I can imagine solving that is by having another partner. And then they say, no, absolutely not. And then they say, the first partner says, well, what other ideas do you have? And then all of a sudden, you're a little more creative. You're like, well, tell you what, if you're willing not to have another partner, let's get that strap on and start dancing with it or whatever it is, you know? And and in this case, of course, that's not what's going to happen. But we're we're trying to broaden the topic for those of us who are really choosing partnership, how do you choose it and then protect yourself from feeling like you're going to sacrifice your whole life? So how can you choose partnership, be open and loving about the fact that this partnership means you're going to love each other forever? That doesn't yes, mean that nothing else is going to change. Right. And so, that, But that's the thing that we started the episode off with is that partnership allows for change in life. And it's like, life is always changing. And so, if we go into a relationship saying it can't change, then it's like going against, you know, it's like ramming our head against a wall. So, it's like we're inviting people to reevaluate, are they in relationship or in partnership? And what steps, what gentle steps can they take to start moving it into partnership and allow for, everybody's aging, we get older, Bodies change, ideas change, politics change, the world changes. So if we're if we're thinking that the only thing that's not going to change is our relationship, then it's that's crazy. Well, and there is value for people keeping their relationship solid and having it be monogamous in two people if that's what they want. Well, I'm not even just talking about monogamy, though. I'm talking about life changes in general. One person needs to move for a job, and they have to figure out how to stay married when they live in two different places. There's not just their sex life. Absolutely. And date nights and all those things. A whole bunch of hilarious stories about uh, someone I know who moved into a condo because she was the one that was doing the redecorating, and her husband was supposed to join her there, and he never moved. He stayed in their house. They never sold the house, and she is the condo to herself, and he is the house. And they go on date nights, and that's when they have sex. And they're both so incredibly happy. And she said if he had told her, I'm never coming there, she would have divorced him. Right. Because she wouldn't have been able to imagine that it was okay. But what if he could have told her, I want you to have this condo. I, I really can't imagine myself comfortable in a condo. I need my yard. I need my dirt or whatever it is. So you go have what you want. I'm going to see you as often as we want to. And this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. I When she told me this, I was so blown away. I was like, he never moved in? And she was like, no. And it's just fine. And, and that's one of the gentle solutions I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, you know, you can sit here and have this conversation of, oh, I'm not happy and I'm not happy. And it's like something can just be presented in a way that you 
could never have thought of mentally solved. And it's like spirit just kind of brought in, well, I'll just have her decorate over here and he'll just never move in. And then boom, they'll have the solution. Whereas if they mentally tried to come up with how that would work in the very beginning, they probably would have never have done it. You know, one of the things that I say to my clients sometimes is rest your brain, use your mind. And so Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is rest your brain from trying to figure out what you're going to do and try and sort out a strategy and try and make a plan. Rest your brain. Visualize that you want peace, serenity, kindness, love. You want continuous of all that. And then let the creative solution come through your love for each other. Not you have to have to open the heart. Of course. And you know, and your like, mind. You got to get out of your brain that's saying, no fucking yeah, get way, out of your are brain, you kidding me? Be smart with your mind and open your heart to a solution that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. Get out of your brain, rest it, and open your mind awesome. and let yourself fly free. And that's what partnership is about. It's about freedom as the highest probably value of partnership. Yeah. And it's so both people can be ultimately happy and free to be themselves while not destroying the love they share. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Spread Spread the the love. love. We love you.